Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and so super thrilled to have with me today, Alan Klein. And Alan is an author, a speaker, and I got this word right now, jollytologist. So welcome, Alan. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, I mean, me being there or whatever, wherever we are in cyberspace right now. <laughs> right, right. So thank you. Thank you for having me on your um podcast. Oh, absolutely. I'm so happy we connected. And uh, yes, it's it's going to be a soul connection because I am that person that walks outside. And if I see the ladybug crawling, I always stop and say, oh, hi, little buddy. And just appreciate that moment. Yeah, I love ladybugs. I also, when I grew up, um, I grew up in New York City and we would go to the country, the Catskills every summer and there would be fireflies. I don't know if you've oh, seen yeah. fireflies in person, but oh my God, it, it was like little flashlights flying around the air and they were so amazing. And I remember as a kid, you know, I wanted to save it. So I put some in a jar and I took it into my room and went to bed and watched right before, you know, watching them go around. Of course, by by uh, the morning, they were all dead. Right, <laughs> but, right. <laughs> um, I got my all moment, at least. Uh, not so great for the firefly, but... Uh, right. We learned as kids, We I grew up in Cincinnati, and so it was. we were on the outskirts of the city, and so... But we would have fireflies, but when my uncle, who lived out in the country with had his cows, and we would sit out there and, oh, I was amazed because all of his woods, it was so dark out there in the country without the city lights. It would just look like a, yeah, like a, just a, a light show going on mm -hmm. with these, with these fireflies. But we learned when we put them in jars, we took a knife and we'd poke holes in the top the of the top. lid and then they, they were able to breathe and, and still mm -hmm. live. So <laughs> Yeah, I didn't place. learn that, you know. <laughs> we were we were city folks who went to right, the country right. for a couple of months. So we didn't know those little country tricks. Right. Yeah, I learned <laughs> I learned from my country cousins. So <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so talk to us about being a jollytologist and what that is. Well, I made it up because uh Terry, I believe you can be whoever you want in this world. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> it all came out of what some people would call a tragedy. My wife died when she was 34. Oh. And for three years, we knew she had a rare liver disease, primary biliary cirrhosis. And there was no cures, no liver transplants at the time. And 
she did pass away, but she had a great sense of humor and even used it in the hospital. I remember she had a copy of Playgirl magazine with the male nude centerfold. And she said, I really like this nude man this month. Can you put it on the wall by the bed over there? And I said, Ellen, it's a hospital. It's a little risque for that. And she said, well, maybe you can get a leaf in the plant over there and cover up you know, <laughs> that part. <laughs> and I did that. And we came home from the hospital and, um, uh, remembering that the leaf starts shriveling up and becoming smaller and smaller and revealing what we were trying to conceal. And every time we remember that moment, we would start to laugh. And I realized how important laughter was. And it was Norman Cousins' time. He was talking about healing himself with humor. And um, I just became, my wife did die, and, and I, I just became fascinated with the healing power of humor, which um, probably not too unusual became the title of my first book. <laughs> but I went back to school to learn about humor, got a master's degree in the subject, and uh, just start writing and, and doing uh, workshops and keynote speeches about how uh, therapeutic humor could help us get through anything, even loss. Yes. And and that's, you know, that was uh, how it started. I never thought I would be able to get up and speak in front of a group because I would never raise my hand in class. You know, I was one of those shy ones. I would get a C in a subject because I never contributed. Um, but, you know, I had a message. I had a passion to show people how humor helped me get through that. And yes, there were lots of tears, but there was somehow the laughter stood out. The laughter gave us a moment of reprieve and uh, helped us even just for a few seconds get through that difficulty. And so Norman Cousins was talking about it. I did a lot of research on it. There was so little, very little about, it. there was no internet to do research on in those days. So I would sit for hours and hours at the library. You're too young, you don't remember, but microfiche, where you put in a film and you would turn the knob and it would scan. And, and I spent hours doing that, looking for research on therapeutic humor, particularly in death and dying and found almost nothing. So I thought, well, I've got to write the book myself. Yeah. So. Wonderful. Well, and I'm so glad you did. And I do remember microfiche because when I was, I, my degree is in psychology, because again, I was so, I wanted to understand how does this work? How does the human mind work? And particularly healing and healing trauma. And mm. um, so, yeah, I remember going through and trying to find articles <laughs> for research papers and yeah. <laughs> I remember once I saw somewhere in some article that somebody had written, a professor had written about humor and death and dying and grieving. And so, and it was published in the New York Times, although they didn't tell me, they told me what year, but not what date. So I sat and literally looked in the microfiche for a whole year of the New York Times and never found it. Oh, no. <laughs> And I was really like hung, you know, this was, I had to find this. So I found out who the writer was, the professor was, and I 
sent him a letter and he said, oh, you're so right. It never got in because it was some big news story and they cut my article. But he sent it to me anyhow, but I did find it. But imagine sitting, I mean, now if I did it on the internet. Oh, right there. If it took me 10 seconds, that would be a lot. Right, right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So times awesome. have changed. Yes, they have. So who is who's your target audience? Who do you who do you want to reach? Well, when I was doing um, keynote speeches at conferences, it was mostly healthcare because they were so burnt out, and humor could help us cope. And so nurses, I did a lot of hospice because I I I was a volunteer with hospice. After my wife died, I had that experience. Um, I became a home healthcare aide. And so I work with people that were ill and uh, in the kind of medical arena. And so a lot of my audience was in the medical arena. Um, and some, I also did teachers. Um, it was almost like people who were, I call them people people. Because I, I had done a couple, like I did um, a speech for uh, financial planners. And I'll, I'll tell you something, Terry, they don't have a lot of humor. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the worst speeches I ever gave. I mean, it was kind of the same speech I always give and gets, you know, standing ovations. But right. for you them, hear crickets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't so great. So I knew early on who my audience was and I would focus towards them or I'd speak at cancer conferences to the patients or the staff or um, so right now, you know, humor I guess is part you you said you had a psychology degree, part of positive psychology movement. And so I realized that humor was a part of that and I moved on to kind of more positivity to show people how to um, change their mindset. And because there's always the negative stuff and there's always the positive stuff. And you could focus on either one. In any situation, you can, you can focus on, you have a choice. Yes. So I wanted to show people not only humor, but also one of my books is You Can't Ruin My Day. You know, to that often we give away our power to other people or to other situations, and we don't have to do that. We can take our power back um, and, and change it. I've also done a lot of inspirational, motivational quotation books because I believe in affirmations because that's our minds helping our mindset. Yeah. And so I've done that. And my latest book is The Awe, A-W-E Factor. Again, it's, it's a way of looking at the world, you know. And we talked before we went on about you going outside and looking around to, to where you live and how incredible it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, and very So much that's being, kind of the awe book. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, being now in the present moment, because there's always something to be in all of truly um yeah yeah and you know the new this new it's funny that's kind of a new um topic for research probably within the last eight years 
And there was a research that came out last September that I think it applied to all of us, although it was done with seniors. And for eight weeks, they had two groups, 60 people, 30 and 30. One, they just once a week went out for a walk. And the other group, they, they kind of gave a prompt that when you go out for your walk, look for something that amazes you, that awes you, that you find to be wonder. And then after eight weeks, they found those people that had the prompt to find awe every week in their walk, they were less um, negative. They were more, had more positive emotions. They were less upset and they were happier. Yes, I love that. I'm that person when I, I find hearts everywhere. I, I just find them everywhere. All day, every day, I'll find hearts. And um, particularly in nature. And so now I have friends who send me hearts. They'll send me pics. Hey, I was, you know, cleaning the snow off my car and I found, <laughs> you know, this heart. And so when I, I'm that person when, when we're taking walks or we're riding our bikes, everyone else will be on ahead and then they'll turn around and see me because I'm stopped taking a picture of a leaf because it had a heart on it. <laughs> so they know that Terry's going to take forever because she's got to stop and find her hearts. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And actually um, I, I took a class a couple of years ago and um, every, I think it was once a week maybe. And every week they gave us a, something to look for. Maybe it was it. No, it was every day. They gave us something to look for. One of the days was hearts. Oh. <laughs> and I went out and take a picture of it and bring it back to the group. So I went out and took my dog for the walk. I do every day. And when I came in the house, I had been growing morning glories around the front gate. And I noticed that the leaves were heart-shaped. Oh. And I had been taking my dog out several times a day and never, ever noticed that. So one of the things I realized from that is that intention, if, if you want more awe in your life, yeah. you have to have an intention like those people on the walk. They were told to find some awe. The other people weren't. Those that were told, you find it. So um, part of finding more awe and getting more happiness in your life is to that intention. And in fact, I have a just happened to have a TEDx talk on the power of intention <laughs> for any listener that wants to hear this 14, it's 14 minute talk. But um, <clears throat> intention is so important, like whether you want to find some humor or how you wake up in the morning, what you say to yourself when you wake up, or it kind of sets the tone for your day or um, when I walk my dog, I find lots of money. I live oh. in a city and I, and people are amazed at me. How do you find all that money? And I, and sometimes I really have the intention on this walk, I'm going to find money. So one day I went out and thought, I want to find a quarter. I don't want to find a nickel, a dime or a penny. I want to find a quarter. I was just kind of testing my theory, right? <laughs> yeah. So I went out on the walk. I did not find a quarter. But the next morning on the walk, I found a quarter. So I was a little ahead of my time. Right, <laughs> we, right. When we put out our intentions, we don't we can't always set exactly when it's gonna manifest. So 
it was it was a couple of hours late but i have found a hundred dollar bill on the street uh, a couple of years ago um you know and then i tell people or i put it on facebook and they go you found out that's my hundred i said no well <laughs> <laughs> okay if you tell me the serial number i'll give it to you right right exactly <laughs> Where you lost it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I believe in intention. I believe in affirmations. Actually, actually, I just realized, Terry, an affirmation is really an intention. Yeah. Right. Truly. I just re I just put that together. Yeah. yeah I One of myself, my. Uh, go ahead. I I made myself uh, affirmation cards. I, I'm a big. Um, Louise Hay, Dr. Wayne Dyer fan. And um, well, I made them as hearts. I know. Surprise, surprise. Until <laughs> I took photos. I take photos all the time. And so I made them with the background of a photo. But it was, I am peace. I am love. I am a teacher. I am. And so, and, and so it really is. It really is an intention to be that I am going right. to radiate peace into the world. Right. Yes. I just realized that. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, and you may use it, your listeners can use it, your audience can use it, is the world treats me as royalty wherever I go. Ah. And you know, it happens. <laughs> I have wonderful stories of getting upgraded on a plane or, you know, or finding the money on the street or... Um, yeah, I love that. It's just I, uh, I love the idea of you know you're putting out that energy. I truly I I'm a fan of the energy you put out is the energy that comes back to you. And you know the interesting thing for me is I learned that from my dad who was very negative because I growing up particularly as a teenager you know I was kind of rebellious and didn't want to listen to him and he was so negative all the time. But as he was getting older, I realized that that negativity taught me to be so positive. Like I went to the other way because I couldn't stand all the negativity. And uh, so I start, I think gratitude is another oh, um, yeah. major thing in our life to bring, you know, again, that's being positive, be grateful. Um, but I started to become really grateful for his negativity. And once I could do that, I was able to step back and even laugh at some of the nonsense that he was putting out in the world <laughs> with his negative stuff. Yeah. Um, My dad was such a conundrum with that because he would always tout the power of positive thinking and these books and he would talk about them, but he was so negative. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so I was so confused because. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my mom was the positive one. She, uh, in fact, when she was in the independent living facility, every Saturday they would have live music. She'd be the only one, but she would get up with a walker and dance Aww. to the music. And she called her walker Fred Astaire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, so she she had the to put up with my dad. She had to be positive. <laughs> Yes, so. my mom. My mom's the same way. She's the just the happiest, most joyous little lady I know. So yeah, I love it. 
Wonderful. One of the questions I ask podcast guests often is if you can meet anyone in the world dead or alive who could help you with your creativity, who would it be? Well, I already feel I'm creative. Um, having written 32 books and having been a scenic designer for 10 years at CBS. Yeah. Where I designed um, one of my favorite shows was Captain Kangaroo. Oh, I love Captain Kangaroo. (laughs) You do, but some of your audience may not be too, too young for that, even know who that was, but he was a children's show that was on for over 25 years. And so um, a lot of my thinking as I got older, was seen through the eyes of a child because as a designer on a kid's show, I had to think like a child. The bunny rabbit tricked Mr. Green Jeans into giving him some carrots with some kind of odd machine where Green Jeans would press a button and carrots would fall down or, you know. I had to think like a child. How would a child design that machine? And so probably a child would take a carton cardboard carton and go to the kitchen and find some stuff to put on the carton or, uh, you know, color it with a crayon. I had to think like a child. So after that show, since I did that about 10 years, I had to think like a child. Um, I think it was just natural to see the world through the childlike eyes. Yeah. So I didn't answer your question. That's right. (laughs) No, no. Well, I do have a person and it's Woody Allen. Um, and you know, there's been some negative things about him. So maybe that's the most, not the most politically correct person to say, but I found his move. Some of his movies I have seen like 12 times and I laugh. I still laugh at them. They are just so, I love silly kind of humor and some of it's so silly. I'm trying to think sleeper with his, you know, gigantic bananas. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> you know, I just get that image and I start to laugh. Yeah. So I would love to sit down and meet him. And I think when you asked me that question, I think I, I don't know if I wrote it down, but there's a, a designer that does pop-up books and I have yes. a whole shelf of them. Um, where you open it and things pop up. Robert's, Zavoda, something. Yeah, that's what you wrote down here. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And he, can I reach for a book? Sure. Oh my gosh, absolutely. This is his Zabuda, Robert Zabuda. This is a Christmas book that he did. Yeah. And, um, oh my God. I mean, look, look at this. Oh, wow. It's like bigger than the book. I don't know how he does it. It's just, and every page is just, it just like comes alive. Yeah. Oh. The last page, um, look at yeah. that. All of this is in the book. Wow. This, this is, there was a different book he did where the last page, it was a house and the house lit up. <laughs> <laughs> So you talked, I guess this was my one for creativity. If um, I think he's one of the most creative people I have ever come in contact with. I mean, look, this bird. Oh my gosh, yeah. Just um, beautiful. Flies up. Beautiful. So, from, you know, this is like 
a mini awe moment when I open each page. It's a mini awe moment. It's like yeah. surprise. Yeah. How did how does he do it? And that's kind of all. Like, how did that happen? Right. Um, so yeah, for creativity, Robert Sabuda. Wonderful. Awesome. I love it. So, so why, by, wait, wait. If any of your uh, audience knows him, please let me know <laughs> so yeah, I can right, contact right. him. <laughs> you know, this is the way I got to march in the Macy Day Parade. <laughs> I wanted a uh, uh, long story, but I'll try to make it short. Captain Kangaroo used to be the host in Macy Day Parade. I was the designer. Every Thanksgiving, I'd have to be in the studio at 6 a.m. to set up the special Thanksgiving set I designed. And I realized most of the people I knew were sleeping or making the turkey or visiting their friends or relatives, and I was working. So here I am living in San Francisco, watching the parade, and I thought, you know, I'd love to be in the parade because I kind of had a connection to it. So I didn't know how to do it. I asked all my friends. Nobody knew how. So I thought, I'm going to put it on Facebook. And one, one of my friends who saw that said, well, I don't know how to do it, but I will do the research. I live in New York. I'll do the research. She connected me to the person who's in charge of the parade. And the next year, I got to march in the parade. <laughs> so surely somebody who listens to your podcast or knows someone who knows someone who knows Robin Zaboda, and I will get that connection. Absolutely. I'm going to tag him in our, <laughs> in our social media. <laughs> I haven't looked him up, actually, on like Facebook. He might even be on Facebook. Right, right. Great idea, Terry. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. And I love it. And I, I do the same exact thing. I love Again, I, I think when we put ourselves and our stories and our truths and our energy out there, it's amazing what comes back. Oh, yeah, my, my TEDx talk that I mentioned about intention. So that year, January 5th, I, I usually do a, a bucket list of what I want to happen that year. And I put, I want to do a TED, a TED talk. That was January 5th. January 25th, and I could even show you the email if you don't believe me, but 20 days later, I got an unsolicited email from a group doing TEDx talks if I would like to do one. Wow. 20 days later. <laughs> we're, when we're done, I'm going to make my bucket list. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, part of intention, I believe, is, is not just thinking up here, but writing it down and seeing it, you know, a lot. Yes. Because yes. again, energy, we're putting out energy. What kind of energy do you want to put out? Yes. Agreed. I have cards. And so I have this one right here that says abundance and it has a heart on it, but it's not just abundance of money. It's abundance of podcast guests. I mean, meeting wonderful people. It's abundance of joy. It's abundance of laughter. It's abundance of connections. And so it's just abundance in my life of all that that makes my heart that's why I have my little heart on it what what make fills my heart with joy so yeah. right oh and so you you show your card I'm going to show my card oh nice. <laughs> the perfect publisher will find me and 
this has a wonderful story. I had eight or nine books published by a division of Random House, and they were selling really well. They sold 400,000 copies. Wow. And then that division, when they closed that division to save money. And so I got the rights back. And for a year and a half, I tried to resell the books to another publisher, could not find anyone. And so I gave up struggling because I thought struggling is a negative energy and I want to put out positive energy. So I wrote this card out, the perfect publisher will find me. And then I went to a meeting of book publicists, people who promote books. And I sat down on the aisle and a man sitting next to me turned around to two women. And I heard them say, we have a very successful publishing company and we're looking for uh, to start a new division of uplifting, motivational, inspirational books. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, I have eight of them <clears throat> have done very successful, but now I have the rights, you know, and they said, gave me their card and they said, uh, send them to us. And Terry, I looked at their card and this was my first awe moment actually in this story. Um, I looked at their card and they were three blocks away from where I lived. Oh my gosh. So I brought the books to them and they since published number of them. And then they kept publishing, but they got too uh, big for their little office. So they moved to a bigger place. They had a big party. I walk in the door and this woman, I don't know, recognize her, but she comes up to me. She said, well, you don't know me. I own this company. I'm really glad you're with us now. She said, you don't know me because I live in London. She said, but I know you. And I said, how do you know me? She said, in second all moment, Coming up, <laughs> she said, I used to live across the street from you, and I saw you walk your dog for about 10 years oh. every single day. And I thought, the perfect publisher found You'll me. Find me, yes. Wow. And so, you know, I advise people again, it's a positive way to draw that energy. The perfect apartment, the perfect mate, the perfect job, the whatever it is, write it down, put it where you see it all day and just see what happens. Yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. I have goosebumps. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, and people say, well, I have a friend, she said, Alan, you live a charmed life. And I'm thinking, yes, I love my life, but I also have a I think I have some, some work in, in creating it, <laughs> you know? I don't just go along and let whatever happens to me happens to me. It's the energy as we talked about, being positive, putting out what you want in the world, um, finding the awe and the humor in the world. Um, you need to look for that sometimes. Yes. Absolutely. Again, one of the, I had read once somewhere that said, say yes to the universe. So when these beautiful opportunities arise, say yes to it. And it's amazing, again, the connections that happen and, and the joy that happens from it. So Right. I was talking to a friend who's very negative sometimes. <laughs> 
And he said how lonely he is, particularly this year, and he's getting up in years and things are hurting. And I, I said, uh, why don't you try volunteering? And he told me this 20 minute story about the one time he volunteered and it did not go well. And so people, you know, I said, well, there are other opportunities. You don't, yeah. it was a museum. You don't have to volunteer with a museum. You go to church every Sunday. I'm sure you can volunteer there. If you can't do it in person now, you can call the elderly or people that are sick that I'm sure the church prays for. Um, and he goes, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, but I'm not going to do it. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't, <laughs> you somehow negative people, you can't uh, sometimes get them out of there. Right. Or the bad, ex they have one, he had one bad experience. Right. And now he won't um, try again. So say, if he said yes, as you just said, he's saying no. If he said yes, what will happen? Right. If he doesn't like it, he can stop volunteering. I mean, it's not a big deal, but he won't do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe his loneliness, maybe he'll meet new people, maybe his new friends will come into his life. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, he talked about a mutual friend we have who volunteers at the same church. And he talked about all, she she's ill right now, and all of the support she has from the church because, you know, all of that group that she volunteers with is supporting her. Yeah. So there was like an exam. He was giving me an example of what he wants, but he won't do it. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I he, think a, a lot yeah. of times people get stuck in their, um, I don't know, it, it just becomes such a norm, the, the, how they've lived. And it's, it's a fear thing that they don't want to step out of. And he's right, what, right. what I call it, my sister and I like comfort in the chaos, like comfort in his mm. negativity. Mm. It's part of his. Identity. Yeah. I'm Jewish. So there's a Yiddish word that I would, I would put on this. It's Meshugana. <laughs> it means a little bit of craziness. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's kind of crazy thinking. You know, here, just using this example, here is somebody giving me an example of how someone he knows has gotten exactly what he wants and he won't do it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's right there in front of him on how to do it. That is Meshuggah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So. All right. So any myths or facts that you want to clarify about, um, I don't know, using humor to help heal? Well, yeah, one about humor, one about awe, probably that that um, you know people can't believe that it helps heal. But I think you know, maybe it's your definition of healing. It may not cure, right. but it will it will at least take you momentarily, give you that perspective, give you that relief, give you a coping tool to use when when um, you have nothing else. And so that for me, that's healing, at least for the moment. Yes. And then in awe, there's the myth that we have to go someplace like Niagara Falls or the Grand Canyon. And uh, that's a myth that's not true. It's all around us. You know, uh, I have some flowers blooming now and I was looking in, in them <laughs> and it was an orange flower with a yellow center. And then one day I noticed I guess it was the, I don't know what you call it, but the part where it forms into seeds. Yes. And that was purple. 
<laughs> and I went, oh, because I never expected it to be purple and orange and yellow flower. And it, so that was a mini all moment. It wasn't like Niagara Falls, but <clears throat> the point is it's all around us and you do not have to go anywhere else. Yes. Um, oh my just, gosh. I just love look that. for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's so true. Yesterday, my mother-in-law was here and um, we were talking about different flowers here. We just moved here nine months ago and we're still, things are starting to blossom in spring that we didn't know what to expect because they weren't blossomed uh, when we moved in. It was summer. And so looking out my office window, there's azalea bushes and I all for these oh. nine months, I'm like, I wonder what color they're going to be. I wonder what color they're going to be. Well, yesterday I noticed, I noticed some color. And so I ran outside and brought her with me and I said, oh my gosh, they're going to be like this red purple bloom. And I'm so excited for them to come because all the little buds are starting to show starting. up. So. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me, I used to have a house uh, now and a half north of San Francisco. And uh, we, we also, we bought it in like August, September. So it wasn't much blooming, but the next spring there was a snowball tree blooming. Have you ever seen those? No. They look exact. They're about the size of snowballs. They have lots of white little flowers on them. And then when they start, uh, they're first green and then they get bigger and turn white. And then when all those little petals or flower parts fall off, it truly looks like it's snowing and the ground is all white. And it was like, who knew that tree was even there? You know, right. we didn't know. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. All right. So how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Um, on the internet, of course, um, Alan Klein, spelled right like that because it's spelled different ways, dot com, all one word, www.alanklein.com, or Amazon has all of my books, put in Alan Klein. Um, you, only caveat there, the Beatles manager was named Alan Klein, spelled exactly the same way. So there is a book called Alan Klein. It's not about me. <laughs> but any book about positivity um, will be my book. Yeah. Wonderful. Awesome. So anything else that you wanted to touch upon in these last few minutes? Well, people wonder, you know, how, uh, other than going on an intention, looking for awe, I love having props around to lighten up. And so get yourself a red clown nose, put it on. I see you're giggling, <laughs> Terry. Um, things aren't going well. Look in the mirror. Stuck in traffic jams, put it on the car and look in your rear view mirror. Other people around you will start laughing. You'll start laughing. Um, um, so this little thing, and I've given out probably forty to 50,000 to my audiences and have incredible stories of how it helped them lighten up. So upset, angry, not feeling well, put it on and it changes everything. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. And thanks for being here and yeah, shining your beautiful light of hope and um, laughter and joy. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. 
to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.